good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we're the names you know. This is Dave Dine. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Another episode of the Dave's I Know podcast, uh, a pretty somber one just because we have all the shit that's happening in Minnesota right now. If you're not familiar, um, another um, a person of color was shot and killed by a police officer. So we have that kind of hanging over us. Um, I know, you know, definitely feeling it on the the, the timelines and everything and, and just want to, you know, we're, we're going to do a silly soccer podcast because that is what we do, but uh, just want to know that, that our thoughts go out to... Um, you know, our, our friends out there who are, you know, affected all the time by this sort of blatant racism and, and yeah, it just, it really sucks. So I uh, don't want to admit for us to seem like it's, we're trying to have too much fun um, because we are, I think we do have a, a pretty good podcast. We're going to talk Minnesota United. I talk a little bit of preview about what Minnesota United, we have some over-unders that I think we're all going to sort of weigh in on. And uh, more importantly, we have our dark cloud silent auction winner, uh kj uh, on the podcast kj uh won the silent auction he got a uh a bottle of uh the heath out stout which uh magically appeared in san jose uh randomly there was no nothing nefarious about getting it out there um and also got to join us on the podcast so hey kj welcome welcome to the welcome to the show thank you um for those of you who have been longtime Dark Clouds, you might remember KJ back in the, our Minnesota days. Uh, unfortunately, he's been out on the West Coast for, for quite some time. How many how many years have you been out in California now? Uh, I moved to San Diego in 2015. So yeah, okay. six years now. Wow, man. Time flies. Um, and then we have our regular uh, podcast uh, co-host, MJ and Dan. Uh, MJ, how are you doing? I'm very, very sore from uh, the last major broomball tournament of the year. But other than that, and uh, as the you stated the another incident of systematic racism gone wrong or gone as everyone knows that it's designed to i'm doing well that's good dan yeah hanging in there it's another monday um yeah pretty staid mood around here it's it's incredibly disappointing i mean i think that's that sort of goes without saying but um, yeah, I, for once don't, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sincerely at a loss for words. Yeah. I think it's where a lot of people are right now. Um, so, uh, all right, well, let's, let's, let's try and dive into it. Let's try and have a, a little bit of fun today if we can, um, this evening as we're all uh, here in Minnesota lockdown and, uh, KJ, you know, still maybe have some daylight after we get done with our four hour long podcast today. So, um, we have lots of stuff to talk about. As I mentioned, we're going to talk Minnesota United. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, there's some little some MLS news, um, and then break down a few other a few other things, uh, including we actually have a match to talk about, which we feels like it's been a year since we've talked about a match coming up, uh, the Seattle Sounders on Friday. Um, but before that, if you uh, definitely want to get involved in our Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/DavesIKnow help support the Daves that you know. 
Uh, we'll be releasing our uh, red card, our uh, Imperial Red Rye uh, that Hopclouds is making for us, which we're very excited about. Um, I'm hoping to finalize the date for that. We're, we're thinking it's possibly May 8th. Uh, we have a, a way match to Colorado in the evening. Uh, later match, so we're thinking of uh, hold, holding, uh, sorry, posting up at the Black Card for people who are Patreons um, and want to pick up that beer. You can pick it up well before the game. You can come to the game and pick it up there. Uh, you just can't drink it at the Black Card, unfortunately. Um, we also want to make sure we give Wes some money. <clears throat> but that's the tentative plan. Uh, theoretically, my wife might be giving birth at that time, so I may or may not be there. Um, so, but we'll figure it out. Uh, so, yeah, can it? Contentively plan on May 8th when we have the final details. I will email all of the Patreon members. So if you want to get involved, again, um, patreon.com slash the Daves I know. All right. Yeah, KJ. Sorry, I saw your eyes light up. Yeah, Anna's pregnant again. So <laughs> wow. Uh, congratulations, I'm presuming. Thank you. Yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Congratulations. Um uh yeah, all right. So let's uh let's talk some Minnesota United news. Let's kind of just breeze through this pretty quickly. Uh, Juan Chope was officially announced last week, um, and that was kind of everybody knew it was happening. But uh, he also looked uh, pretty good in the preseason friendly. He only came on and played for about, I think it was like 25 minutes or so. But he had a really great give and go with uh, Justin McMaster to score a goal against, um, who were they playing? Orlando. Orlando, that's right. Yeah, the Lions, the Loons and the Lions, uh, for a goal in their match um, on the ninth. So last... Uh, is it last Friday? Yeah, last Friday. So anything else you want to add about Juan Chope or that um, Orlando City uh, friendly? We lost 3-2. We did. And to Dan's credit, I think he said that Orlando might be pretty good this year and not the laughing stock of the league. And not to put too much stock in pieces, but Dan, I hate to say this, you might be right. I might be. Although putting my foot in the ground that uh, a front line of Nani and Pato uh, would be good. Is is not really going out on too far on a limb. Nor is assessing that FC Cincinnati is going to be the laughing stock of the league, which is really the uh, the, the only things I predicted. Uh, but I appreciate listen, the credit, MJ. Listen, man, I think RSL is going to give them a run for their money. So um, <laughs> uh, it's entirely possible. So. The one thing I'll say is uh, if you haven't checked out the Justin McMaster goal uh, with Juan Chope's assist, uh, McMaster, McMaster, this is the first kind of we've, we've seen of him. He hasn't been in a ton of the highlights so far, but he had a really productive preseason. And uh, that goal was really nice. Put the defender on ice skates, shrugged him off and put it near post past uh, Pedro Galese. Yeah. Uh, shout out Rodrigo. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but that's a, that's a pretty legit preseason goal to score. So I, McMaster, if you believe the reports, McMaster was legitimately one of the best two or three players in college soccer two years ago. And if he hadn't torn his ACL, there's absolutely no way he would have made it to the loons. So this, he is the type of player who may be a coup. We may be looking back two or three years from now and going, holy crap, how did that guy fall all the way to Minnesota United? We can hope anyway. Yes, 100%. So, uh, and then as he's serviceable on the left wing, which is good for depth and leads us to the next bit yeah exactly uh great segue mj um i'm calling him general franco just because uh but as is uh typical uh we record the podcast and then literally like 12 hours later minnesota there's some news leaked about minnesota united uh franco fragapane right is that i'm not i'm saying it correctly fragapane 
Thank you, MJ. Uh, has been rumored to be coming to Minnesota United. Um, this was a. Uh, I can't remember who was it. Jerry Zagoda who put out the the first tweet about her, or was it Ruder? Uh, Ruder. 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 Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And then Greener backed him up, surprisingly. Yeah. So uh, he played for uh, plays for Tulares. Uh, he actually started uh, over the weekend for them uh, down in Argentina. Um, he has 13 goals and 11 assists in 95 uh, uh, appearances in Argentina, uh, and one goal and seven appearances so far in uh, Tulares this season. And he's also he is a a, a Boca Juniors product, um, but never played with uh, either Ramona Bila or um, uh, Bibolo while they were in at Boca Juniors. So. You know, this would be a legit left wing. Um, and you know, sounds like a would be a really great signing. Um, you know, Minnesota United and Adrian Heath, as the wise want to do, is always, you know, always says two or three players away. Well, if he gets Fragapane and um Abula, uh, that's two players. So I don't know. You guys have any other um I know we've kind of chatted we chatted a little bit in our text uh thread about this, but any specific thoughts other than you know, it sounds like a really awesome dessert. It does. For those of you who are not great British Bake Off fans, uh, Frangipan, spelled almost identical, is a French form of almond cream. And when this tweet first came out, I was like, holy shit, we're going to get a baked goods defender, Uh, which I thought was super unique. And then Arsenal played Sheffield United over the weekend, and Sheffield United has a defender named Ethan Amperdu, which is perilously close to Pan Perdue, which is essentially French toast. Uh, <laughs> so I am completely here for this trend of, of football baked goods. Um, the, I, this is, this is the true intersection of my, my, the great loves of my life. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about uh, Fragapane other than it did lead me to uh, find, because I was doing research on him, that uh, the, the, there's a mistiming in this year's, uh, Argentinian season and it completely screwed up one of the major data providers. So there's a bunch of analytics sites that have no stats for this guy uh, since December because they haven't been pulling any Argentinian stats and that pretty well screwed me for this podcast. So thank you, Stats Perform and your <laughs> ungodly merger. Right. Um, he yeah, he plays primarily out on the left. He can play centrally as well, um, but he's uh, typically been a uh, left, a uh, left forward, um, or sort of left mid, uh, in his in his uh, soccer career. So, yeah, he's played a bunch of a bunch of loans um, out. He played for uh, with Fortaleza uh, last year. Um, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. He's only twenty seven, so plenty of uh, sort of right into should be right in his in his peak. So, it'll be interesting to see if this comes through. Sounds like they're still pursuing um, another. Um, forward uh option as well um and considering that you know Juan Chope has the the buy on or the sell on clause um that probably gets triggered at some point if he plays enough games and knowing Minnesota United we're hoping to probably probably not trying to play uh Juan Chope in every single game and bringing uh bringing in some other players definitely helps with that so and the only thing I will say about about Franco Fagapane is that he also can play second striker as David alluded to. And that fits really well with the style of attack that Mr. United want to play in that sort of, we want to interchange our attacking front four. And so having that left wing tucked in as a, as a second striker is very Molino-esque. And I think that's a good fit for the Loons. 
Yeah. What, what fun final thing I just forgot to mention. He is also uh, a right footed. So he would be more of an inverted winger on the left-hand side, um, which we saw work fairly well for Minnesota United, um, you know, last year. So just one other little bit of information. This is the kind of wing that they're trying to find. That's generally a, a pretty good thing. Yeah, go ahead, MJ. If that if that means that our wings are crossing less and dribbling and passing more to Reynoso and whoever's playing striker, I'm really happy about that. <laughs> yes, 100%. Uh, all right. And then um, last bit of news, uh, Sean O'Hearn, who is the uh, second-round draft pick for Minnesota United, he played with uh, Revs 2 over the weekend in like their sort of preseason. So it sounds like – so he signed a contract with Revs 2 – Back in December, I believe um, he was drafted by the Loons in January. They basically they retain his rights um, until the end of this year, so uh, December thirty first. If for some reason Sean Horn decides, you know, starts tearing it up in um, the USL, I think Revs two are in the League One. I don't, I don't think they're in the Championship. I think they play in the same league as uh, Ford Madison. Um, if he decides to tear it up and, and they want to bring him on, they have his. They have his rights or someone wants to trade for him. Um, Minnesota United maintains his rights, but only for the rest of this calendar year. So, and that was, I think, the only other uh, draft pick that had that Minnesota had this year that um, the other two, obviously, McMaster and Kubunguchi both signed. So, um, all right, well, let's jump in and talk a little bit about Minnesota United. Um, so, obviously, we just recorded our Western Conference preview podcast yesterday. Um, I'm going to get that up and, and edited and out, you know, hopefully, to, uh, Wednesday, probably actually, I'm going to do this one first and then get that one out. We went a little more in depth in terms of like talking about the players and the teams. Um, we're, I think we're going to do it a little differently for Minnesota United um, because I think anybody listening to this podcast probably has a general feel for Minnesota and, and what they're going to do. We have a couple of bigger questions um, and some predictions, but Dan had a really great idea of, of doing some over-unders. So that gives us a little, some conversation pieces to talk about. So let's just do the, 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 Nitty gritty, dirty stuff. Uh, first, um, last year Minnesota finished nine five and seven with thirty four points, uh, fourth place in the Western Conference. Uh, had a plus ten goal differential, and obviously they lost in the Western Conference final to uh, Seattle, and were winning the Western Conference final till like the eighty or the eighty ninth minute or whatever. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, out uh, the team, the players that went out, obviously Kevin Molino, Marlon Harrison, uh, Raheem Edwards. Luis Amarillo did not come back. Kai Kamara obviously did not come back. The Rio 911 dudes, Sands, Foster the People, did not come back. Chacon out on loan. And then the big sort of big question mark, and it sounds like he's not going to be back, is, is Ike Opara. And whether or not Ike Opara will ever be back from Minnesota or in MLS and playing soccer is, is, a, is a big question that we don't really want to tackle right now. Um, and they brought – so they brought out that – that's a lot of players. That's a lot of players that com- have contributed uh, – to this team both last year and you know um mostly last year obviously and Molino obviously was one of the original minnesota united uh, mos players so uh in they had will trap uh yuka ratala uh juan chope uh nico hansen kibanguchi and mcmaster from the draft they signed patrick Weya as a homegrown and then brought in juan agadello and dj taylor um a lot of those names are getting a lot of we're getting a lot of run out in the preseason, including Nico Hansen on the left, obviously Juan Agadello um, up top, but McMaster and Pat and Patrick Wea both scoring goals for Minnesota United. Uh, midfield is is 
you know, they brought back uh, Ozzy Alonso as well. So that with Ozzy Alonso, Will Trap, Hassani Dotson, and Jan Grigish, they have a lot of depth in the midfield. Um, and Kimaguchi can play in the midfield as well. So, um, Dan, what's, why don't you take us through the over-unders here? And then uh, KJ, MJ, myself, we'll weigh in. If you want to, if you want to give a, a brief, uh, maybe one or two sentence answer as to why you believe how you believe on the over-unders, I think that would help. But I think this would be a great start for us to um, start talking about Minnesota United. Yeah, for sure. So uh, unlike last year, when I think we had like 15 or 20 of them, because I have no filter for myself, I uh, pared this down a little bit this year. So uh, these should actually be pretty pithy. Uh, so let's start with uh, El Rey, uh, Minnesota United's king. Emmanuel Reynoso, over under 20.5 goals and assists combined. Uh, let's start with visitors first. KJ, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to go over on this. Uh, If he retains the form we saw him in last year, uh, stays healthy, which is always a question. Um, But if he continues to play the way we've seen him play, I think he's going to obliterate that number. Presuming they don't then sell it. (laughs) MJ? I also like the over on on this just because it's goals plus assists. And I think it's going to be much more weighted to the assist side, but given a full season and a, like KJ said, if he's healthy, I like uh, 21 plus. All right. Uh, you know, I hate to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the under, I, I don't think he's going to score a ton of goals. Um, I think he'll get maybe two or three goals from set pieces. Uh, obviously we saw him do that last year you know, with a great goal. I just don't think if you get say say he gets three goals from set pieces, that's eighteen assists. That's a lot of fucking assists. Um, that would I think certainly lead the league in assists uh, in twenty twenty one. So I think it's I think it's under. I think it's just under. I think this is actually twenty twenty and a half is a really really good number, Dan. Thank you. I honed this in from last year when we predicted twenty five goals for Amaria and he got three. Um, so <laughs> to, to be fair, would improve just a touch. Yeah. What do you, um, what, do you what do you think? I am taking the under on this and, and you kind of nailed my reasoning. I, the, Adrian, Heath said he wants 10 goals or more out of Reynoso. I think there's going to be a lot of ch- interchange. I think he's going to get that many shots. He just hasn't been a scorer for his career. So I think we see the same assist numbers. I think we see him get a prodigious number of assists, like 15, 16 assists. And I think he does score a couple of goals off of set pieces, but we heard the same thing about Jan Gregoosh, like set piece fan fantastic he's going to score a couple of goals that way it's just hard mls has high quality goalkeepers and tall defenders it makes scoring off of free kicks kind of difficult so i'm going to say under and just barely i think he gets 16 assists three goals all right what's the next one all right round two uh one chope for uh over under 14 and a half goals and this number is very specifically picked because christian ramirez's 14 goals is the loon's single season high in mls in mls yeah sorry yeah uh let's do the same order uh kj i'm actually going to take the under on this uh not that i'm doubting he's going to come in and be helpful but just the way that they have been playing uh they definitely they score more by committee i think than uh than they do a single player, especially a forward, the way that Adrian Heath runs things, uh, scoring that many goals. I'm going to take the under, but I'm expecting some goals. I'm also going to take the under for similar reasons uh, that we do score goals by committee. Also, 
how many starts does Juan Chope get versus a Robin Lude if Heath wants both Finley and Lude on the on the pitch at the same time and he's going to throw Lude up as a false nine or whatever type of nine Heath is calling Robin Lude. And there is the chance, rumor, rumor, that we get Adrian Funu in midseason. And should that happen, that would also impact Juan Chope's playing time. So, and when that happens and Juan Chope doesn't score 15 goals in a season, we can ask who knew. And because I'm the kind of self referencing in the third person asshole, MJ. <laughs> um, yeah, MJ, I think you, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. I just don't think he's going to get enough um, playing time to get to uh, 15 goals. So I also am going to take the under here. We'll make it a clean sweep. I will also take the under. Uh, remember, Minnesota United is somewhat disincentivized to give Juan Chope enough starts to trigger his uh, buy clause. So unless he comes out like a house on fire, I mean, goal against Seattle, I mean, two against RSL, I mean, another one against who's that next, Colorado. Like, I don't think Minnesota gives him enough starts to get to 15 goals. Uh, so I think Christian Ramirez's MLS tally remains for one more year. One thing I did pull in the research for this last year was the first time since Minnesota United joined MLS that they did not have a double digit goal scorer with Kevin Molino leading the team at nine. Yeah. I mean, they also, it was a shortened season. Um, and what what's FC Cincinnati's leading goal scorer? What had three goals, I think. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> FC Cincinnati, nothing about FC Cincinnati at this point should be held up as like a model considering I believe they've had more head coaches than uh leading scores yeah all right <laughs> uh number three tyler miller over under five and a half starts kj why don't you start oh put me on the spot on this one i have not kept my finger on the pulse of this i'm gonna say over um just because of the needs of a an mls season um you know Dane St. Clair, I think, has earned the starting spot, and I feel like he's going to get the, the majority of the starts, but I uh, I don't see I don't see him starting every game, and I certainly think there will come a time where somebody else has to step in. I feel like this is the first over-under question where I have to get nitpicky and ask, are we talking about MLS only or all competitions? I'm I'm comfortable saying all competitions because right now the only competition we know of is is MLS. Now the Loons may make the Open Cup, but that's by no means guaranteed. Right. So if gosh, I want to say over because I want Heath to rotate the squad, but this is fucking Adrian Heath. So I'm gonna take the under. And again. This is assuming either Tyler Miller gets traded or that Danes and or Dane St. Clair is our number one. Those two assumptions. Yeah, I tend to think it will be the over just because of Gold Cup. So I think Minnesota has one, two, like three. Three matches for sure during group stage of Gold Cup. Um, and I think Dane St. Clair is going to get the Gold Cup call out for Canada. Plus, you know, a match or two before, depending on when they're going to bring people in for a camp. So I think um, 
Dan, I think this is a good uh, number again as well. I think, you know, I think it's he gets six or seven starts. And also, I think he gets shipped out right um, at the towards the end of the trade deadline, which is, I believe, August first week in August, like the sixth or the seventh, I think. So I think he gets some starts during the Gold Cup. Um, hopefully he plays well. And then Minnesota ships him out for some um, Garber bucks. Yeah, I'm also going to take the over on this. I think DSC will miss time. That's sort of a guarantee. I actually don't think that will necessarily affect Tyler Miller's playing time, though. Uh, Adrian Heath is super high on uh, the other guys, uh, Fred Emmings and Adrian Zendejas, uh, consistently saying that he loves his set of four, which four goalkeepers in MLS, it's just weird. Um, but so he's he's clearly sort of enamored of them. No, I think Tyler Miller gets starts of his own accord, and I think Minnesota United want him in the shop window, particularly early in the season. So I suspect we will see him get to five starts by now mid-June even. Uh, with the team looking to send him out. Uh, if Dane St. Clair gets the Canadian call-up, which I think we all agree he probably will, that creates a problem, but it seems to be a problem that Adrian Heath is fairly willing to put up with. So I'm going to take the over. All right, this one is probably the most challenging, requires us all to go out a little bit on a limb. Minnesota United, over under 60 points. And for reference, that is 1.75 points per game. Uh, it puts you, you forgot you forgot another starts one. Oh, did, oh shoot! I put that one in late. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> All right, well you can noodle on that one while we do this one. Hassani Dotson over under ten and a half starts. Uh, I'll, I'll start with this one because uh, I think Hassani Dotson is going. I think Adrian Heath is going to find a way to get Hassani Dotson um, minutes. He's definitely going to get a lot of time, a lot of minutes during the Euros uh, when. Um, Greg Goosh is gone. I think, I honestly, I think that is maybe when Dotson sort of um, supplants somebody in the starting lineup. The, I think the, the nice thing about this one too is that he's so versatile. So if you have, you know, Retala and uh, uh, Lute out and and Greg Goosh out at Euros, you could play him, you know, in the midfield. You could play him on, uh, you know, as a fullback, um, either on the left or the right, uh, if Gasper's hurt or something. So I think just his versatility alone gets him 10 and a half starts. I think Hassani Dotson plays his way into this lineup early, early. And I think he gets, a, actually, I think he gets called up to the gold cup for the U S team. Cause I think it's going to be a B ish team for the U S I think they're going to go for it uh, with the nation's league, which is, you know, the sort of right beginning of, of June. Um, and I think there's going to be some opportunity for Dotson to, he, I don't know if he gets many minutes in the gold cup, but I think he gets a, I think he gets a, a gold cup call up. Um, MJ, do you want to go next? I think he gets the Gold Cup call-up, and for that reason, uh, he's out more than he should be, and so I'm going to take the under. I really want to see him get into the lineup, whether it's a 4-3-3, which I don't think Keith knows how to coach or play well, or uh, I'd like to see him at one of the four attacking spots just to try it. But that being said, I don't think he plays himself into the lineup. I think the Loons like Gregouche. I think Heath likes Gregouche. And we have competition with Will Trapp and Alonzo at the defensive midfielder spot. So, and then DJ Taylor adds us new depth at, at right back. So I don't think Dawson gets, I think he gets maybe nine, eight or nine starts. And that's sad. 
Go for it, KJ. Um, so I've been sitting and stewing on this because it, it's tough for me to imagine that you don't give Hassani Dotson at this point in his career more playing time. Um, he's certainly on the up, just played with uh, the U23s despite the uh, outcome played well um i'm gonna take the under only because this is said as starts but i expect we're going to see him on the field a lot more than that number belies i completely agree i am also taking the under on this uh and with mj i agree uh it should be higher uh he should be getting 11 12 starts pretty easily but uh no, I think I think the the appeal of Hassani Dotson in terms of you let somebody run for 45, you sort of figure out how the game is going, and then you can inject him as a roving six. You can put him ostensibly in the back line. You can put him up top if one of your wingers isn't working. I think he's too good in that position. I've used the Tyler Adams comp with him before. I think it's an apt one, although it perhaps flatters him a little bit. Um, you can put him anywhere on the pitch and you know he'll be successful there. And yes, that should mean that you start him like 28 games with the others being games he misses for the Gold Cup. And I think Zeller's right that he does get the call up. Uh, but I don't think Adrian Heath sees it that same way. So I'm going to take the under on that. All right. I teased this one. Loons over under 60 points, 1.75 points per game. This would put them off the shield pace most seasons. Uh, but it uh, would be a fairly high playoff spot. Exactly how high, obviously, depending on the season. Um, I, I'll go first. Um, I think, so I'm very, I'm very high on this Minnesota United team, um, as we'll, you'll see when we talk about predictions and stuff. I think 60 points, though, is, is still just a slightly a bridge too far. Um, I was just going back and looking at the 2019 season, LAFC led led the they won the Sports Shield with 72 points. The next closest team uh, was the Seattle Sounders with 56 points. Uh, in the Eastern Conference that year, uh, NYCFC had 64 points. Um, there was no other team with 60 points. So there's two teams with 60 points uh, in 2019. Uh, in 2020, Minnesota averaged uh, 1.62 points um, for their uh, fourth place spot. I didn't do the math, but I don't think any other team at least in the Western conference, I think Philadelphia would have gotten to 60 points with their um, number and maybe Toronto FC. So that's a 60 points is a, is a lot in in any season generally. And I think the Western conference is generally better top to bottom than the Eastern conference. So I could see a couple Eastern conference. I could see two or three Eastern conference teams taking 60 points. Um, I think Minnesota is going to be really good. I, you know, not going to spoil my prediction, uh, but I still don't think, I think 60 points is maybe just slightly a bridge too far. So I'll take the under. I think David uh, kind of said the exact same thing I was already thinking. Um, 60 points. It's a good pace, uh, you know, puts you right up there at the top. And while, yeah, my expectations are pretty high from this team. Although again, I always, uh, you know, offset that with, they are a Minnesota team and we know what can happen. Um, I would be disappointed if they finish lower than 50 points, uh, but I don't think they're going to quite make that 60-point pace. MJ? I really want to take the MJ and on-take here and just find a way to use numerology to say how we are going to get the, the 60 fucking points. Um, but even MJ and on-math cannot make this happen, and that's kind of sad. 
when you realize how crazy shit MJ and Anath is. So uh, even even without my numerology experts on the MJ and Slack, uh, we're taken under. Right, when I Dan? wrote this, when I wrote this one, I really wanted it to be even. I I, I actually put the line higher and dialed it back down. I think this team is 100% capable of this number. I think they will play huge portions of the season at or above this pace. Uh, my biggest fear is just a lack of continuity. Uh, both this season and the season before, Minnesota United got really hot and and reeled off a bunch of wins, and and that was sort of the, the drive of their season. Um, because of the need for squad rotation this year in a compressed season, because of the players going to Euros and Gold Cup, I just don't know that they'll have the same chance to develop that rhythm. So I'm going to take the under on this. Uh, a lot like KJ, if it's anything lower than 50, that's a failure of a season. I think they need to be at 55 or above. But 60 is a big number, and I don't think they get there. So I'll take the under. I think if you had set this at 55, I may have considered the over. Um, I think, yeah, I think 53 to 55 seems like right where they probably like should be. And I can see them doing a little bit better than that, but that's, that's maybe that's where I'm kind of sitting at. So I, the, the interesting thing to me is that this team a hundred percent has the ability to play at a 70 plus pace. I think this team could get to 72 points if the cards all break right. But you certainly don't bet on your 1% chances. <laughs> so, right. all right. Last few here. Uh, Robin Lude, seven and a half goals over under. He scored seven last season for reference. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say I'm going to take the over. Um, uh, with the caveat that he's playing uh, on the right. <laughs> if he's <laughs> mostly playing on the left, I think um, this is a failure uh, and it's, you know, whatever. But man, I mean, we talked about Reynoso. We talked about Juan Chope. You know, we, the, the vision that Juan Chope has watching him with that McMaster goal, sort of just the, the ability to see where McMaster is running and just, just deflect the ball with his foot, right? Like it, that's something that really good strikers uh Good, really, really good strikers do. And I think there's just too many really good attacking options on this team that Robin Lude shouldn't end up with eight or nine goals this year. So I'll take the over. Dan, if you would have done the same thing that you did with Reynoso, but maybe divided it roughly by half and said Lude gets 10 and a half goals plus assists, I'd take the over. But seven and a half goals... I'm going to take the under and keep in mind, I am part of the Robin Lude apologist uh, Twitter subgroup. And I really want to be all in on Robin Lude, but I just, I don't see when previously he, in two seasons, granted one of them quite short, he has scored seven goals total. I don't see how he gets over seven goals in one season. Um, I have been going back and forth on this while listening to both of you. Uh, I'm gonna go with the over, um, but just slightly, um, because I think, again, with the caveat that David brought up, that uh, he needs to play in his correct position, 
or I didn't hate him up top. Let's face it. Uh, when they had no forwards to play, he filled in quite nicely in that spot. So if he continues to play the way he did last year, playing in really one of those two positions that suited him quite well, I think he'll, he'll just get over that. And Robin Lude playing. So I don't know if you guys watch any of the Finland international friendlies, him playing with Timo Puki, Robin Lude started, I think technically on the left in those games, but he was basically all over the field. So if he's like on the left and he's given that the flexibility to sort of like roam, right. And maybe it's like Nico Hansen or Ethan Finlay and they sort of, they're, they're able to do like, like overlapping and overchanging, you know, um, overchanging runs and things like that. I think that is fine. It's just when he is forced to be on the left and stay on the left, that is where it, it's an absolute failure. So sorry, Dan, I, I jumped in there on you. No, you're fine. Uh, it's a good point. Uh, Robin Lude, I think, is a very versatile player. I am going to take the under on this. Lude scored a bunch of his goals last season. Uh, somebody shooting from outside the box or, or towards, the, towards the top of the box, having a keeper parry the ball, and then Lude really well-timed runs, knocks the ball home. Uh, he actually only ended up the season, though, with about four and a half, four point nine 4.9 expected goals. So the 7 was a little bit of a stretch. But the reason I think he misses it is... Assuming we have Lude, Reynoso, Juan Chope, and Nico Hansen, or uh, Frangipane, Frangipane, sorry, uh, you're talking about players who all have that ability to see where the ball is about to be parried to. And I think we're going to, I hope we don't get three stooges out of some goals, but we're going to see two or three players making those really smart runs. And so I don't think Lude gets the same number of rebound chances and I think that cuts him way down so I, I'm going to take the under on this I think he sits closer to four maybe five but four or five good goals is really good for this team and it's a really good point you brought up also I, I I'm not going to to uh, switch my pick quite but he is going to miss some time at the Euros and really I just wanted to mention that Norwich is having a lovely pookie party again this year <laughs> yeah I fully plan on bringing that up when we talk Norwich later uh, because he's been outstanding for both Norwich and Finland. And actually, Finland's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, they are. But I don't expect them to make the semis, which means he misses less time. So, all right. Uh, into the final two. Patrick Weya over under 300 minutes. So, this is my – I threw this one into in here because I think it's interesting. He's – obviously, he's playing a lot with the first team. Uh, or playing – not necessarily with the first team, but in – uh, preseason, which is good. And obviously we don't put a lot of stock in a preseason, but I think 300 minutes um, is actually a, a pretty decent number. I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure where I go on the over under. So I'll let you guys uh, discuss it and then I'll, I'll come down somewhere. Dan, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll start this one off since this one isn't mine. Uh, I'm going to take the under on this, not because the team doesn't like him, not because he won't earn those minutes. I think we'll see him get, a fair amount of first team time, but in sort of the 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, as opposed to a full 90 or even a 45. So I, I think he just doesn't quite amass enough. Uh, paradoxically, I think if he had been on this team last year, he does get to 300 minutes, but this is a team that has some attacking depth in a way we haven't in the past. So I think he falls, falls reasonably short of it, but we see a decent amount of him. Uh, MJ, do you want to go? He's super young. And if you look at, Fred Emmings or Thomas Chacon, we don't play our youth. Uh, we don't loan out our youth, or sometimes we do, but uh, Noah Billingsley is finally getting a loan out. But we just don't develop our youth or trust them to develop in-game. 
we're not developing that we, we're developing them in training we're developing them in practicing of them friendlies or something like that we, we just don't do that in game and so for that reason i say under yeah, i would definitely take the under on this for the exact same reason we know from what we've seen that uh, heath doesn't prefer to play uh, young players very much um you know he's got plenty of future ahead of him he'll develop well uh, but this year i don't see him making much of an impact as of yet and that's not necessarily his own fault all right you negative nancy's i'm gonna go the over on this one um listen i think he's you know i think he's really good i i think there's gonna be i, I think the one agadello experiment is not going to last and foster the people is you know a shitty band and uh not a great not a great striker so i think i think i mean i don't think he's gonna be um i think it's gonna be in dribs and drabs dan i think you're right but i think he'll get three or four starts where maybe he gets to go 60 or 70 minutes um combine that with just some cameo appearances they gotta this is a kid who has ambitions to go to europe and and unlike fred emmings uh who's a goalkeeper so it's, it's really hard to get minutes there and i don't know I wish someone needs to do a fucking oral history of like what the fuck happened with Tommy Chacon because who the hell knows like kid had all the talent in the world apparently and then also didn't have any on any of the talent in the world so I think Wea is a known quantity for Minnesota United right he's played in their he played briefly in their academy um, obviously I think the family name doesn't hurt in terms of trying to get him on the field and, and the kid has ambitions to go to Europe and I think the only way you can do that um, is by playing time. And so I, I can't imagine he would have signed a homegrown contract without some assurances from the team that he was going to get opportunities to play and, and relatively soon. I don't think he's going to start, you know, 10 or 12 games for the team, but I could see some um, starts. We're, we're going down to Kansas city or someplace where we're, you know, going to just give up points for God knows whatever fucking reason. And Patrick Wea, like Tommy Chacon did getting a, getting a start and getting, you know, a 70 minute run out or something. So um, I'll be the optimistic one and take the take the over. That was a it was a remarkably good line. When I initially read it, I was like, "No, there's no way." But I just looked this up. Mason Toy in his rookie season did not play particularly much for Minnesota United. He only got two starts. He only appeared in 17 games, 351 minutes. Yeah. So it, it is possible to break that barrier with uh, with fits and starts. Right. That's I think that's I, that's why I looked at two of Mason Toy's uh, minutes, and so that's kind of where I had the put the number at. So. I like to gamble, arm. Dan. <laughs> I, hey, man, you don't have to twist my arm. You got a, a dollar or two I'll put on that. All right, last one, boys, and I appreciate you uh, being willing to do this. Uh, Adrian Heath, over under seven matches not started in Adrian Heath's preferred 4-2-3-1. I'm going to take the under, but just slightly. Like, I'm going to say seven, six or seven starts in some fucking four four two or four not a four three three but he'll he'll try to play his three five two or five three two that I hate because he does a one defensive midfielder back rather than two center midfielders back with an attacking midfielder triangle. I gosh this is not for me for time for me to rant on this but yeah, he, he's hey. gonna he's gonna play several games not in that formation, but he just falls short. Don't don't hate the game, hate the player, buddy, because that three five two <laughs> can work. 
<laughs> if it's done correctly. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I would be glad if he ran a three, four, one, two, the way the loons with a Reynoso should play the three, five, two, but he always plays a three, one, four, two. Um, and I fucking hate it. It's fair. KJ. Uh, I'm going under, I don't think it's even going to be close. Um, he generally is very rigid in that four, two, three, one, uh, occasionally he busts out a few other things. I think the, the five, three, two, the supposed five, three, two, or whatever it was at LAFC a couple of years ago, uh, I was <laughs> at that game and it was amazing. Uh, mostly because Mason toy scored a couple of simply bangers. Um, but you know, also they defended well. But this is Adrian Heath. He doesn't like to change things up. He certainly doesn't like to sub things up. Uh, and uh, I think <laughs> we're going to see the four-two-three-one as much as he possibly can make it happen. Yeah, Dan. Uh, this I, I, this should be an easy over. This team probably sets, particularly with Opara out, probably sets up best in a three-five-two. But he's not going to do it. And, and and I I tend to agree with KJ. It's not going to be that close. I think we see about 32 games in a 4-2-3-1 and two where he's like, ah, let's roll the dice and put, I don't know, all midfielders. So it's a it's a 0-10-0. And honestly, this team has so many good midfielders now in a way that they didn't two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. I, I I'm not even that mad about it. But yeah, he's he's gonna stick to the 4-2-3-1 all season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I tend to agree with everything you guys just said. I think there's, I think there's a, I, I, I'll take the under two, but I think there's a very real possibility that you know, um, considering he has Hassani Dotson, um, considering, yeah, this team probably does set up better with uh, three center backs and and some some wingers, Chase Gasper and Romain Metnier bombing down the wings. Um, so I think. But I think Adrian Heath, you know, his British stubbornness wins out and it, it does not, he does not hit the, hit the over on this one. So, all right, Dan, that was a, that was a fantastic exercise and getting us to talk a little bit about Minnesota United and, and things we like to see. So uh, good job. Thank you. And thanks for playing along. Right on. All right. We have a couple of, of questions. Uh, we had sort of had bandied these about earlier uh, this preseason and decided to save them for this particular podcast. Um, First one is, uh, so, you know, I think we all tend to agree that the loons are legitimate shield and cup contenders this year. Uh, and then, so what would you rather win the cup or the shield? It can be as simple as a one word answer, or you could expound about what you need and why you want it. Um, KJ, let's start with you. The answer is both, of course, but that's not the question. <laughs> no. Um, I would rather see them win the cup because it tends to, mean more and i don't mean that from necessarily a fan standpoint where yeah the uh, success over 34 games is very meaningful and i love the supporter shield and i love its history but in terms of advancing to other competitions and such um advancing in the cup means a lot more yeah it's a fair point uh mj we sadly live in the united states which means we have this thing called playoffs that take higher precedence by owners, players, and fans and media in all sense of records than the U.S. Open Cup or the Shield or the regular season record. So because of this, 
and because I've been adopted into this wonderful country that is the United States of America, it is the cup. We, I, I hope we win the cup. Yeah, Dan, this is your question. So, what do you got? Oh, that's right. I forgot I posed this month ago. Months ago, uh, yeah. <laughs> we've just been kicking it down the can, kicking the can down the road, rather. Uh, I'll take the contrarian view on this. I guess. Uh, look. San Jose played crap most of last season and then they got super hot and they almost ran uh, through Kansas city and could have made a playoff run. It is entirely possible to win the cup and have a relatively bad season. Uh, it is not possible on the other hand to play badly for most of the year and win the supporters shield, unless the rest of the league is way, way, way worse. Or like, you know, the entire Eastern conference gets disqualified or eaten by Mothra or whatever. So I'm going to take the supporters shield because it guarantees us from April, like mid-April, through freaking November. This season lasts forever this year with some really enjoyable, high-quality winning soccer. And you know what? I am here for that, even if it means we get booted in the first round and everyone's like, oh, it's another great team that couldn't sustain the success in the playoffs. Screw it. Give me six months or eight months or whatever it is of great soccer and give me the shield. Give me the fake Captain America shield they had to use last year. All right. I like that. I like that. I I'm also, uh, I was leaning shield, but I, I think I'm actually going to lean cup this year. Now, generally overall, I think I'd rather the shield for the exact reasons you just mentioned, Dan, about like just sustained uh, success, um, consistency, just really good soccer theoretically for the entire, but for this particular year, I'm going to say the cup because, um, for two reasons, um, number one, um, I think the Eastern conference is, I think whoever's going to win the shield is going to come out of the Eastern conference. Cause that conference is like three good teams and a bunch of shit. Um, however, the main reason is I want to win the cup because I want to host like hoist the fucking cup in Minnesota in December. <laughs> that is fucking great. Like I went to that sporting Kansas city, uh, RSL final. Um, fuck. Um, 2014, I think was when they were in the final. So I think it's 2014, maybe 2013. Anyways, it was a long time ago. And it was cold as shit, but it's not as cold as it would be in Minnesota in the middle of December um, with probably snow on the field. Orange ball, 2014 or 13, 13, 2013. So not as cold as it would be in the middle of December uh, with snow on the field, orange ball, fucking uh, uh, snow classico. Um, that is why I want to uh, win the cup. So I think that's a, <laughs> all right and then this is your, your other question and can you explain this question a little bit because i think it, it might help with a little bit of context for people yeah absolutely so uh and actually david your answer to the previous question is a perfect segue so congratulations on that uh is this minnesota united season different from other seasons uh, there's, a, there's a reason i host the podcast like what i make the transitions <laughs> mostly i just assumed that was longevity because you owned the mics uh <laughs> <laughs> Also that. Uh, look, we, we all host for different reasons. <laughs> uh, so, look, uh, we can't pretend that this is a normal MLS season. It is not. If this were a normal MLS season, we would be, what, five games in at this point, give or take. Um, we'd have Open Cup to talk about. Euros wouldn't be quite so big a thing because the season wouldn't be as compressed, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, uh, does this season... So, last question was a little bit... Uh, broader you know which do you value more whole season success or playoff success 
does your answer specifically change for this season? We know example for, for example, for David, it does. Uh, but for KJ and MJ, do you guys have a different answer this year than you would in a normal season? I don't think my answer changes. Um, again, like all of your points were very good, uh, especially about the supporter shield. I, again, I will reiterate, I love the supporter shield. I love, you know, especially that it is something that came from the supporters because again, we are in the U S we play playoffs, that kind of thing. And the supporters wanted to recognize that regular season success, but the, you know, the cup playoffs, those, that is the league championship and it does open those other doors uh, for international competition more so. The, the Supporters' Shield actually does as well. I, I am not discounting that. Um, but there's only one of those spots available through that route. MJ? I also don't change my answer. In fact, I double down. I, I just The cup's just so much more important. So I, in a, in a weird weirder season with keep not stubbing players or rotating squads correctly the chances that we get hot in the right time at the end of the season i like better than sustaining a consistent consistent play that would win us the shield i'll I'll just echo too what mj you just said is that this section this team has shown to be a pretty decent uh knockout team right we you know made to the open cup final uh in 2019 we you know made to the semis of the ml's back tournament you know did well in the western conference uh uh playoffs last year obviously we losing to the galaxy that first playoff game kind of sucked but um has this team has proven to be that in a one-off competition um is pretty dangerous especially considering all the attacking talent that we have now especially that we've added even when we've subtracted Molino. So, um, you know, getting, getting to the playoffs is, is, you know, it's not necessarily always a crapshoot in Canada or sorry, in uh, uh, soccer, like it is in hockey, right? So you get a hockey, you get a uh, Canada. Yeah. Um, Canada doesn't want to fucking cup in forever. So what am I talking about? Um, but when you get, you get into the playoffs with a hot goalie in hockey, it's, it's, you know, it can make a difference. And I think same, you know, same thing with soccer too. You get into the uh, playoffs and you're, and you got a hot goalie, maybe your defense is just, really really tight knit and really good and you just need one or two counters to to win matches so especially the way the mls playoffs are um now designed where they're not uh two-legged affairs so i will uh i will reprise my role as the flexible one on this podcast uh in point of view not physically i i break my body is horrible um <laughs> uh, and my view does change this year uh David, I thought your point about the snow uh, championship is excellent, uh, but it's not my reasoning. I will not crib your answer there. Uh, it's because if we're going to win the shield, I want to see it. I want to be there. I want to. I want to spend 17 games in Allianz, and that won't happen this year. Um, I know I won't be there for the first four. What happens after that? Who knows? You know, I may end up going to 10 games this year or six. And if Minnesota United is going to get red hot in the playoffs, that's really fun. And if I, you know, if we, if we have to cheer on a championship team from home, that sucks. You kind of wish you would have seen it, but it's still like this amazing singular achievement. Whereas the shield is really, hey, you got to see amazing soccer over the course of the year. 
I want to be there for that. I don't know that I'll get to this year. So my answer this year is the cup and in general is the shield. That makes sense. And I, I think, you know, by the time the playoffs roll around, hopefully we'll be full capacity, um, come, come back to Allianz. And so you actually will be able to see, see that run. So, all right, let's wrap this section up with uh, predictions. So where do they finish this year? That They being Minnesota United, how far do they go in the playoffs? And then do they win a trophy? That could be the supporter shield. That could be the open cup championship, or it could be um, the MLS cup. So, Let's uh who wants to start with, with this one? Oh MJ. why not? Oh, oh. MJ, <laughs> MJ, KJ, go ahead. You're let's, go, <laughs> let's, let's go KJ, MJ, Dan, and then myself. All right. So where did they finish this year? Um it's interesting with the schedule being the way it is this year, being heavily weighted uh within conference, obviously for travel reasons, uh, because 2020, 2021, etc. Um I'm thinking as much as I want to be super optimistic about this team, uh, they do have a lot of talent. They've shown us a lot of things. They brought in some more talent for this year. I'm actually going to put them in my mind. I think they're going to finish third in the conference. Um, I fear that, you know, a resurgent Kansas city and Seattle kind of, I don't want to say they have it on lock, but they're going to be very, very strong. Um, so I can see the loons getting third, maybe pipping up the second there. Um, but I think we're talking, you know, top half of a playoff bracket for the conference. Um, in terms of how far do they go in the playoffs? Um, I mean, last year was fantastic. Last year, they showed us things that they won in Kansas City. Finally, uh, they didn't absolutely suck in Kansas City. In fact, they, they dropped a house on them. Um, so I think, like we were saying earlier, this team has a tendency to do very well in knockout competitions over the last couple of years. And I, if they can do uh, do well at the end of the season, I think I see them making a push and maybe uh, getting into cup final. Um, you know, there's I don't know if we know the full playoff uh, schedule. You know how the timing is going to work as of yet. So it's it, kind of back to what it was in 2019. So seven teams. So the number one seed gets a bye, and then everybody else will play. Uh, I think it's all one leg uh, at the higher right. seed. So, um, well, specifically last year was such a compressed, um, press schedule in that tournament. And you saw them hit that brick wall in Seattle. Mm, we could talk about subs, but I won't go into that right now. Um, but I think <laughs> under a, uh, under a normal, you know, normal kind of weekly schedule for that playoff bracket, I, I think they can do very well. Do they win a trophy? Look, this is a Minnesota team. That's hard for me to say if they will. <laughs> um, we we, uh, we got our heart stomped on a little bit last year. You know, officially welcomed Minnesota United as an MLS entity into being a true Minnesota pro team. Um, I'm gonna say no, but I'm not saying for certain no. All right, uh, MJ. I think our best chance at any sort of reputable title is being Western Conference champion. However, I don't see us doing that. That's, that's technically a trophy, by the way. So, ah, uh, clever. Oh, wait, fair, wait, fair. wait, wait, wait. You, you get hardware for. I'm pretty sure you get a, West, a trophy win the Western uh, Conference. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Um, so I think that would be our best shot at it. I think we fall just short. You know, I think we lose in the semifinals or conference finals. 
this this year and i think uh you know any any hardware we get is going to be at lowe's menards or home depot <laughs> all right dan ah uh, you're these are tough questions and and honestly i want to reflect for just a second like this is the most excited i've been about minnesota united and mls i mean this is a team that we can legitimately talk about hey if they don't win a trophy is it a disappointment and that's freaking great. Like this, I'm so excited for this season. Uh, to answer the questions as they're written, though, where do they finish this year? I think I have them third. Um, I think LAFC is really good over a full season. I think Portland's going to be good this year. I think the rest of the the West is there for the taking, but it's going to be tight, particularly in that sort of top five. How far do they go in the playoffs? I think they can get to the Western Conference Final again. Uh, once again, I think the playoffs are tough. But Adrian Heath does get this team up for knockout games. David, you've made that point excellently. I won't belabor it. In the Western Conference Finals, if my predictions go to as the way they should, uh, Minnesota, it's the Minnesota sports complex against the fact that LAFC can't win in the playoffs. So it's sort of the, the extremely resistible force against the really, really movable object. It's a question of who's, whose curse is worse. Uh, I, think, I think Minnesota still flames out. So they get a piece of hardware this year. No, they don't. They don't get the uh, Western Conference. They don't get the Cup. I don't think they get the Shield. U.S. Open Cup is way too much of a crapshoot to, uh, to bank on. If Minnesota makes the tournament, which, uh, spoiling my prediction for later, I think they will. I think they have a very reasonable shot at that. So I'm going to say, screw it. No one listens to this podcast that I owe money to, so I'll bet that they do win a trophy. All right. Yes. So I'm gonna go backwards. Yes, they, they obviously win a trophy. If you if they make the open cup, you gotta win four games. That's it. Four games. Um, probably all four of which, you know, have a very good chance of being in in, in Allianz Field. So um how far are they gonna go? So I I, I also am on record of Minnesota United finishing second this year. I think they are a step below LAFC. But I think they're. I think they got what it takes, and especially with Abela coming in, and uh, if they bring in uh, General Franco or the French striker in the summer, that's. I, I mean, man, like just bring in. They're bringing more attacking talent. Remember when this team, we literally did not have like eight good starters. Like we were putting out. Uh, I mean, I love Ishjom, but like Ishjom was starting MLS matches for this team in 2017. Like. He, you know he's good. He, he you know played really well in the uh, USL last year. Um, he definitely is a guy who can come off the bench. He definitely should not be starting multiple MLS matches uh, for a team. So that was back four years ago. Um, he's obviously matured a lot since then. So I think they are going to finish really high. I think second, um, they're going to win the whole fucking thing, guys. Come on, I, I'm turning a new leaf. I'm becoming I'm becoming positive, Dave, uh, for this season, for all of the two matches probably until I get really really pissed off so yeah they're gonna win mls cup they're gonna win the open the uh u.s open cup i don't they're, they're not gonna win all three shields they're not gonna win the supporter shield because again eastern conference but uh yeah i think two trophies is uh should be should be what they're shooting for i hope you two prove me wrong and more importantly i hope the loons prove me wrong Listen, if if they if they win a trophy, I, I'm just I'm just declaring it right now. We're gonna have uh, uh, Christian at the Hop Clouds make a Heath in beer, um, with my face on it, just just with like a a, a, a comic book um, speaking bubble saying, uh, "I am Dave. I'm a stupid idiot who is wrong," uh, and that is gonna be <laughs> the, the 
the art for the bottle. So um, <laughs> I suppose I suppose now is the time to go on record for things like this. So MJ and KJ, if you want to make insane vows, now's the time. If the look if the if the loons win uh win the whole damn cup, I'll get a Minnesota United tattoo. I already have one of those. Me too. So Me clearly, too. <laughs> clearly, I will just add the MLS Cup to my chest that already has the dark, the, the old dark cloud, fart cloud among the three logos for the Minnesota Pro teams. Yeah. I don't have a lot of things that I can add to this that are going to top those. But if the Loons win the MLS Cup this, this, this season, or even if they win the Western Conference Championship, I will go on this pod and say I was wrong. <laughs> and, and that's a pretty rare, rare, rare gem in itself. All right. Well, let's, we have a little bit of MLS news, and then we'll uh, take a break and, and better get to know KJ. Uh, CCL uh, started last week. The MLS teams are really fucking good uh, in the CCL. I think this is the first time they've ever all five – uh, participants did not lose in the this particular round of the of the tournament. So uh, on Tuesday, uh, Marathon uh, of Honduras played Portland. It was a two-two draw down in Honduras. Uh, Haluense, uh Costa Rica team, and Atlanta United played. Uh, it was a one nothing Atlanta United win with a, the Atlanta. United. All of the MLS teams actually here were on the road uh, for this this first round. Uh, Philly won Deportivo uh, Saprissa zero. Uh, Leon and Toronto FC drew 1-1 in Mexico. And then Columbus kicked the shit out of Real Esteli uh, down in Nicaragua, 4 to nothing. All the return legs are this week. Portland and uh, Marathon play on Tuesday, uh, as well as Alajuense and Atlanta United. Alajuense missing uh, a bunch of uh, their better players, including Brian Wies and uh, former Loon legend Johan Venegas because of visa issues, uh, which we could talk a little bit about if we want to. Um, Philly and Saprissa play on Wednesday, as do Lyon and Toronto FC. And then Columbus plays uh, Real Estelle in, uh, on Thursday. So any quick thoughts on CCL stuff, guys? Did you watch any of you guys watch these games? I watched, I, I think, all of them, actually. I watched all of them, and they were completely fantastic. If you haven't tuned into this, they're on, like, FS1, FS2. Yep, I think um, it's FS1. They're fantastic. They're totally worth your time. Uh, they are officiated in a way that will drive you absolutely up a wall. It's uh, very concacafy for sure. Very concacafy. Just makes absolutely no sense. Uh, if you haven't seen the uh, the replay of the Saprisa, it was a red card. It was like two red cards that he only got a yellow for against Philly. Uh, definitely look that up. Uh, it's pretty well the textbook definition of a red card that he didn't get. Uh, meanwhile, which one of these games? I don't even remember who got the red card, who got the penalty for, uh, was that Atlanta United? The ball hit the guy in the face and the ref gave a handball. Oh yeah, I think so. And then Brad Guzan got a red card in that game in like the 43rd minute. And so they had an 18 year old, uh, think Fred Emmings, like uh keeper, um, homegrown keeper, like all of a sudden has to play against, uh, the best team in Costa Rica and was just spilling balls all over the place. Again, very concacafy. He he did he spilled a ton, but he got to everything. So full yeah. marks for that. I, I was fairly impressed how he played. So I won't belabor this anymore. But these games were a lot of fun. Um, I I don't know if this is a sign that MLS is rising in the world or other teams are not playing as well this season. But uh, unlike previous iterations of the CCL, which can be a little hit or miss, this has been all hits all the time. Yeah, and I think I would actually say all four 
teams, uh, with the exception of maybe Toronto, are favorites to go through to the uh, to the next round right now. So um, Toronto, obviously, you're going home to uh, Florida for their for their match because they can't go to Canada. Um, and Liga in Lyon is is really good, and I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Lyon you know hangs two or three on Toronto in Florida. But every all four other the other teams should be uh, should be favorites going forward. Take that, Mexico. United States and Canada clubs coming for you. <laughs> well, only only one team, only one Mexican team so far. So, uh, but there's, but actually, I, I I need to pull. I should I should pull up the entire record. I'm not going to right now. We'll talk about it next week. But uh, uh, there's actually some pretty decent results in terms of uh, Liga Mekis teams not advancing into the next round as well. So, which bodes well for potentially a MLS team to finally win this tournament in this iteration for the first time ever. So, it's. It's going to be fucking Olympia or Alajuense, but yeah, whatever. It's not going to be Alajuense, but it might be Olympia. (laughs) Um, MLS safety protocols. Uh, So this is just a a document that was just released last week. Pretty much the same thing as last year um, in terms of the five subs, uh, charter flights flying the day of. um, The only thing, the biggest thing we talked about last week is the concussion substitute protocol that is being introduced as well or, or trialed in MLS as well as in NWSL. So just figured point that out. Um, some, you know, what's, let's do the shitty news and then we can do the really good news. So Sebastian Legette um, posted a, the, the, the terrible slur, the P word that we're not going to talk about, you know, we're not going to use on this podcast to an Instagram video, Instagram story. Uh, it was popped off right away, uh, made big news. Uh, Sebastian Legette, um, immediately took the video down. He apologized. Uh, MLS announced that they were investigating it. But again, th- that this was last week, and we have not heard jack shit about what any sort of punishment is going to be here. So do you guys have any specific thoughts on, obviously, that chant is terrible, and um, we definitely do, don't want to encourage any more of that. But it was, uh, t- to Sebastian Legette's credit, he did come out right away and, and apologize for it, said that, you know, he definitely said that and he didn't try to obfuscate it in any, in any way, straight, shape, shape or form. Um, however, it, it also kind of reeked of just like, clearly you've said that word before to people and it's, you know, you don't, like we had with the uh, the NBA player uh, using the K word to describe uh, Jewish people. Um, it's something that this person's clearly used before and, uh so anyways, any specific thoughts on, on this, uh, what MLS has done so far, obviously, which is nothing other than saying that they're investigating. I'd actually be surprised if MLS doesn't suspend him for at least a game or two. Um, it's, it's incredibly disappointing. I don't have much more than that, but I think MLS does want this out of stadiums. They want it out of the game as much as possible because it's a black eye. Um, so in this case, if they don't suspend him for a game or two, it gets really hard to enforce fan violations of, hey, your, your supporter section can't chant that anymore. So I, I, I think he'll be suspended for a game or two, and, and that feels at the bare minimum, but at least somewhat appropriate. Um, no, admittedly, I only saw this in the lead up to, uh, to recording this tonight. So I haven't gone fully into looking into this, but if he actually posted the uh, the video himself of saying that, that I appreciate the apologize, but it feels more of like an I got caught apology than it does an actually being sorry for the event. Um, you know, I am a gay man 
and uh, I am very sensitive to this topic. And yeah, again, if if you're going to post that out there, you know what it is, and you shouldn't do it. I swear to God, KJ, we did not bring you on just uh, to talk about this, <laughs> but uh, just happened. It just so happened. Uh, yeah, it, it, and to your point, it's correct. He did. Um, he did reach out directly to um, Out Sports uh, Sid Ziegler. I think it's Sid. Um, directly saying you know that he took full responsibility for it which again is is a lot more than a lot of people say but again to your point it's 100 percent. hey i got caught doing it and i it sucks that i got caught doing it so i'm I'm sorry for it so we'll see you know what he does going forward um mj did you have anything else you want to add uh on any of this stuff it's just one it shows how far we have have to go as a society of listening to oppressed groups and underrepresented groups in our society and understanding what they go through every day. It's sad that this is not going to change overnight and legislating rules and policies are only going to get us part of the way there. On one hand, I can't believe this is happening. On the other hand, of course, this is happening. You know, this is, we have people who not necessarily hate, but are just very, very ignorant of, of this. And some that actually are very uh, mean or hateful, or at least uh, don't care, are very apathetic to what some people struggle with every day. And so we, we want to move forward. We want to create awareness, but I mean, it's just a shitty, shitty thing to happen. Uh, especially after, uh, you know, his performance in the U S men's national. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in slightly less shitty news, um, Don Garber mentioned in a ESPN uh, article, um, talking about expansion and with Sacramento, uh, the, the, uh, Kevin Nagel and Sacramento bowing out, uh, mentioned San Diego, Phoenix and Las Vegas as expansion possibilities, as well as keeping Sacramento on the table. And I just want to, cause, because we have KJ who uh, spent some time in San Diego, uh, San Diego as a, a, a expansion uh, site. Is that, would that be good for, for MLS and for us I, soccer? I personally think it would be terrific. Uh, you've got an area that uh, one is down one major pro franchise in the last couple of years with the chargers having moved to LA and being outdrawn by the galaxy in the same stadium. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you've got Tijuana across the border, um, I, I think you've got a great opportunity here. I did see a little bit of information that MLS has been in contact with San Diego State, who has the rights to build a new stadium on top on the site of now former or almost completely former at this point. Uh, they've almost completed demolition of the Chargers old stadium. Uh, and they're planning to put up a new stadium, I think in the range of 35,000 seats. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so the, the talk is that MLS has talked with San Diego State about potentially hosting an MLS team there as well. Um, that's tied into a vote that happened a few years ago about Soccer City, in which Soccer City was turned down. San Diego State got the rights there. It's interesting to see that come full circle. Yeah, I mean, that's, I know uh, I've never been to San Diego, but I hear it's just an absolutely gorgeous place to, to visit. Um, weather's like perfect all the time so probably wouldn't hurt recruitment 
I would absolutely love to move back to San Diego. And it's right on the border with Mexico. So you have you have that, you know, you have a lot of uh, of crossover there anyways. So that'd be that'd be great. So. Um, all right. And then so we have two other bits of, of news here. Um, so DC United uh, was announced today, hired Lucy Rushton uh, as their GM. She is the second female GM in MLS history. Uh, she was formerly of Atlanta United. I think she sort of ran um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, anybody here i think she like ran their analytics department um the now blanking grand wall had a tweet about who the first one first woman gm was um she primarily handled sort of like the promotion uh ambassadorship side lucy russian is definitely going to be more on the player personnel and recruitment um and development side so this is it's a it's a you know it's a great opportunity um, it's exciting to see and have another uh, woman as a GM of a male professional sports franchise. Uh, Kim Eng as the currently she was just hired as the GM down in Florida for the Miami Marlins uh, earlier, earlier this year. So um, having more women in these positions is, is fantastic. So I, other than I don't need to say much more than that. So unless you guys have anything else you want to add. I remember when it was big news that Becky Hammond was getting hired as an assistant coach of the Spurs in, all the sexist bullshit that came out when when she was hired and she knows the game really darn well yeah um so it and we're seeing more women referees and more like women head umpires or center reps in men's soccer and this is yeah. just a long time coming they're, they're qualified we had a woman uh assistant referee in the in the ccl last week uh, uh i can't remember i'm now blanking on her name she's an mls rep uh, uh mls ref and it was the first time ever that there had been a woman a referee in the in the CCL as well. So it's just fantastic news. It's great to hear. Um, obviously, she's involved in the analytics of Atlanta. She's, I think, was definitely involved in a lot of decision making. So this, I think, bodes well um, for her. And, you know, I, I think I was listening to Dave Zirin's uh, Edge of Sports podcast a while ago. And his whole point was like, well, it's great that they're getting this opportunity. But like, what happens when they get like when they get let go or fired? Do they get another opportunity like so many GMs just get like recycled second opportunities or whatever. That's the next step. Like they need to get in the door first, obviously, but when they, when they're eventually fired, cause you were all, you were almost always eventually fired from a job like this, right? Like hardly anybody leaves um, of their own accord. It's it happens sometimes, but like, will they get a second opportunity? So, uh, and then the, the last bit of news, which we threw, forgot to throw, I forgot to throw it in the document. Um, Kevin Molino seems he's out. Uh, six to eight weeks i believe with uh with an injury um dan you threw this just to me in the chat but uh this is uh, sort of on the heel of the news that uh you know kevin lino wanted a three-year contract from minnesota united they said no basically you know he's an injury risk and all that and columbus crew to their credit gave it to him um really bolstered their attack but again now he is he's out so did you want to say anything else uh further on that yeah, uh, you know, this is a point Adrian Heath has made recently that uh, Molino's injury history made the, the potential investment in him a risky proposition. Minnesota didn't want to guarantee it. That runs counter to what we heard over the winter, which is that Minnesota maxed out their offer to him. So this may be a little bit of a 2020 hindsight, but um, Molino played, I think, I think he said on the uh, Cal and Kidra podcast, something like 47% of 
the games that he was theoretically eligible to play for Minnesota United. Um, now, his last few games were absolutely his best stretch. And so I can see why we and most other Minnesota United fans were like, yeah, we're, you know, he's finally come good. He's he's going to be great. We should retain him and why there was some frustration that he left. But at the end of the day, uh, this is his right hamstring again. He's, he's had recurrent injuries there. And I I feel badly for him. I resist Adrian Heath's post hoc justification. Both of those things said, this may be pretty good evidence that maybe Molino was right to, or Minnesota was right not to retain him. So we'll see. Three years is a long time, right? He could miss these these eight games. He could miss this entire season and then set the league on fire for the last two years. So time makes fools of us all, but uh, currently it is not making a fool of Adrian Heath for once. For once. Um, MJ, KJ, you guys, anything you want to add on that? No. All right. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. Uh, and then when we come back, we will, we will get to better Noah KJ. We'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude. And I want to be who you like me to, but we both. All right, and we're back, and we're going to get to know our, our Patreon, or sorry, not our Patreon, our Dark Cloud um, auction winner guest, KJ, Kevin Joseph, uh, for those of you. Um, KJ, why don't you tell people, he's a, a Norwich City fan, long time, long time Dark Cloud. Um, KJ and I have known each other for years. Um, tell people a little bit about, about the Deaf Loon Republic. You are out in California representing the loons out in California, and, and specifically the Dark Clouds out in California. Um, tell people maybe where they can find you and a little bit about a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, I started going to uh, Minnesota Thunder games back in 2005. That's actually you know right about the time I met a lot of the old and I include myself in that old uh, portion of the, dark the gray clouds. clouds, if you will. Now <laughs> the gray clouds, a <laughs> uh, little grayer every day um, and better and better every day for those of you who remember that. Better um, and better every day. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I have uh, you know I jumped in head first with that, and uh, you know it's 15 years later now. Yeah, I've moved to uh, moved to California, got away from uh, not necessarily from Minnesota, but from Minnesota weather. Uh, I did my time. I lived in Minnesota for 18 years, and I absolutely love so many people and things about the Twin Cities. But uh, I'm now in San Jose, uh, was also in San Diego before that, uh, had started a little subgroup, if you will, called SoCal Dark Clouds. And when I moved to San Jose in late 2019, uh, expanded it, R really, it remained one person and whoever uh, felt like uh, like coming along, but uh, made it into Death Loon Republic. So uh, I have been in contact uh, with people across the state, actually, uh, San Diego, LA, and uh, actually the last game I got to go to, the last game before all of the pandemic uh, was in San Jose. And I met random people who were from Minnesota, lived in the Bay Area, and I hadn't met them before. And we were hoping to get some things rolling. And then <laughs> I didn't, you know, we didn't really see outside for the next year. Or yeah. So. <laughs> and then the world shut down. So yeah, you're, uh, you're a prolific uh, uh, away traveler, um, especially, I mean, obviously there's lots of stuff in California on, on up and down the West coast is obviously it's a little easier when there's, you know, stuff that's really quick flights or whatever, but um, 
So yeah, and then you've actually you've also done some uh, design work for some soccer clubs, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I've I've done a little bit here and there. Um, you know, the most recent kind of big one, relatively speaking, uh, NPSL club uh, Duluth FC. Uh, I did a overhaul of their uh, identity for them, and the response was amazingly positive. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, actually attend their unveiling party up there in Duluth, uh, same weekend as the uh, home opener. Um, 2018 sounds about right yeah uh, for minnesota united so that worked out really well it was great to meet the people up there um you know a few of them who are dark clouds themselves so uh you know had uh, had a great opportunity there with duluth and uh hope they uh, continue to do well up there cool uh mj yeah you also are out as a gay soccer supporter what was that like coming out uh, with the dark clouds in a new space. Yeah, in so in 2005 again is when I, I met all the dark clouds and and uh, made those connections. And of course, you know, I mean, I've been out for a long time. I'm old. Let's face it. And uh, <laughs> so, but but this is sports, and and not knowing the people. I mean, I know them now, and I know they are fantastic, upstanding people. Um, but then I, I didn't know them, and so you know, I kept that kind of guarded. Um, as a, as you often do in those new situations, uh, it's it's just a matter of life. Um, but as time went on, um, you know, I learned more that you know the the old school dark clouds back then, uh, continuing on to all the new big dark clouds in the Wonderwall, it's never ever been an issue. In fact, it's uh, it's the opposite of that. It's an issue in that they are amazingly supportive um that is it's never a question that they would have my back on any issues i do laugh though we, in our break we were talking about uh, about that early uh, time in the dark clouds and in 2005 i went to my first u.s game with a bunch of the uh, old school dark clouds and so the first night we got there uh we, we went out to the the night before bar and everything and i kind of i slipped out and i wanted to go check out a gay bar and uh i was so like secretive and quiet about oh yeah i'm gonna meet up with some other people i'll i'll see at the hotel later blah 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 you know in retrospect obviously no big deal but i still laugh about it now <laughs> that's fantastic um stories you learn going on away trips and stuff um so speaking speaking of uh obviously you, you travel you've traveled a lot for u.s soccer and, and with the american outlaws obviously a lot for Minnesota United. Um, this is a specific question from my wife, Anna. What was your favorite away trip and why was it Puerto Rico in 2016? Uh, so the Puerto Rico trip was fantastic. Um, that was one of those things that when the announcement came that it was really going to be 2017 when Minnesota United came into MLS, I realized that that was the last opportunity to make the Puerto Rico away trip. I couldn't miss that. And, uh, you know, yourself, Anna, a few others, uh, we went down for that game and got a terrific experience. Uh, the soccer supporters in Puerto Rico have gotten just the shaft over the years. They're amazing uh, yeah. people that were yeah. down there. Yeah, we got to meet. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of their group, uh, something Naranya. Uh, and uh, Baraja uh, Naranya, I think. Sounds about it right. Like that. Yeah, it was. No. So for, for everybody else, that was my in my wife's honeymoon. And we went to a soccer match and we invite in, like, we also knew some people who were going, uh, KJ, uh, Teresa uh, as well. And then um, uh, Nate Howells, uh, another uh, 
red loon and, and soccer soccer supporter and we're like fuck yeah we, like, i because i think you i think you specifically kj were like because we hung out like the day before and the day after and i think you were specifically like hey is it weird that we're hanging out with you on your honeymoon and i was like <laughs> fuck no because we also watched we watched the u.s play cuba um the day before uh and then like when got beers uh like brunch beers and stuff like the day after and and i was mm-hmm. like no it's this is you came here to watch soccer so anyways but you have you have a, a more favorite away trip right <laughs> I do have a more favorite way trip. Uh, you know, actually it goes way back to the early days. Uh, so I have since 2007, every year I've gone to at least one Minnesota away game. Um, it gets a little easier living in California where they're not very far away from me when they come into town, especially now in San Jose where the stadium is about 15 minutes from here. But in 2007, a half dozen of us went to the Pacific Northwest and this was in the old USL first division with the Thunder. So they played in Portland on a Thursday night, Seattle on Saturday, and Vancouver on Sunday. The schedules were brutal. Um, so like I said, about a half dozen of us went on this trip. We flew in and out of Seattle. We, we drove the rest of the way around. And that is a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Uh, countries, I suppose. <laughs> um, and we went to these games. And the Thunder were terrible that year. And they drew all three, which felt fantastic. Um, we had the most amazing adventures for that week. Um, you know, we went to Mount St. Helens. We, uh, we, I went paragliding with Rich, uh, over Vancouver. Um, it was just incredible. Uh, the only other one that kind of gets up to that echelon for me, you have to be the 2011 championship trip to Fort Lauderdale. Um, the game itself was scoreless, but they took a lead in from the first leg. It was pouring rain the entire time, and none of us cared because we got to lift the cup. Uh, I mean, the team brought it to us at a bar after the game, and we poured beer into it and drank from it. It was amazing. What is your so just kind of on uh, one more question about away uh, stuff, and MJ, you can jump in to talk about Norwich City. Um, uh, what's it? What's your outside of uh, Allianz? Uh, what's your favorite uh, stadium to go to, to go to a match uh, to in MLS? Um, so that one's tough because there are a few of them that are really vying for it. Um, I'm going to say, you know, just from a couple of experiences, maybe not the best soccer stadium, but I have to shout out Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Um, it really is better than you would expect an NFL dual-use stadium to be. It's set up really well. Um, the sight lines are really good. Um, the concessions are mostly pretty cheap too. Yeah. Um, but were. in terms, I, I, I went there for the open cup final, um, flew down and, and it was, yeah, it was, it was great. The, the supporters are also fucking amazing, even though like they're very, uh, weird online, very much. We invented <laughs> soccer support, uh, in Atlanta in 2017 kind of vibe. Um, they're just really fun fucking people to hang with. So. I think you've got a difference there between your general Atlanta United fan and their actual supporters group. Right. I think so. Too. Um, and their supporters groups, uh, you know, I've met a few of them over the years. I've been down there twice. Um, once the uh, first season, 2017. Uh, and then again, at that open cup final and all of those groups, I've met all those people. They were so inviting to us. They were so welcoming. Uh, it's a terrific experience. I, I definitely would put that one high on my list of if you're going to go to a Minnesota away game, definitely go there. Um, as for the stadiums themselves, 
Um, the one here in San Jose is nice. Uh, it's a little smaller. Uh, it's a it's a three sided, which is a little weird. It's opened up to the airport, um, but it also weird. on that end has what they call the Lobina, the longest outdoor bar in North America. That's right. Uh, it's not that special, but it's pretty cool. Um, but the the two I think that I've been to that I would put up at the top are Kansas City. Uh, that stadium is fantastic. They got so many little details right. I've seen Minnesota there. I've seen the U.S. play there. Absolutely suggest it. Plus, it's a road trip from Minnesota. Easy. Uh, the other one's LAFC. That stadium is incredible. Uh, it's about the same size, maybe a little bigger than Kansas City's. Uh, it is also built quite well. Um, and that's another terrific one. Plus, you know, it's Southern California. They, they really need to work on getting that in March. So you can escape from Minnesota, go to the game in LA, uh, and make it happen. But uh, that, yeah, those would be, I think, my top two at this point. The only goddamn reason I want CONCACAF Champions League so I can go to like Costa Rica or Honduras <laughs> or Mexico in, in March next year. So, um, because I'll be able to probably directly travel at that point. So, right. Um, all right, MJ, get into some, some, uh, English Championship division question. Let's throw a pookie party. Yeah, Pookie Party. Uh, always a Pookie Party. Oh, gosh. What a great season he's having. Your Norwich City Canaries are top of Division Two in England. They're, they're going to run away with the championship. I don't know how many points clear they are. I haven't looked at the table recently. But last time I checked, they're a shoe-in to get promoted. So what are your expectations of for your Premier Club next year? It is such a hard jump between the championship and the Premier League. Um, I mean, there's so much money in the Premier League. You've got those entrenched clubs. You know, you've got your traditional, what used to be the big four. Now it's the big six or seven. Now that like Manchester City has money, you know, and things like that. Um, it is so hard to stay in that league for a long time if you're not one of those teams that can splash the cash. Uh, last time out did not go well. It didn't, it didn't. Like from a standing standpoint, it went pretty terribly. But, you know, they didn't go and overextend themselves with spending that a lot of new Premier League teams do. They've been through the bounce a couple of times. So they know, you know, if you do that, you run the risk of, you know, eventually maybe losing your club entirely. I mean, you look at teams like Portsmouth, you know, that's two or three divisions down now. Uh, Hull, uh, I, I could go on with the number of teams that have fallen three or four levels out after trying to make a big Premier League push. Um, so you have to play it smart. So this time around, they haven't they haven't changed a lot. Uh, they definitely have brought in more talent. Like for as much, they won the championship the year before they went in last time, and you know, kind of stood stood pat for the most part, going in. And I think that's probably what they'll do this time. But they have definitely upped the talent because this time, I mean, the point total is a bit larger. The talent, you can just see, is better. I still think it's going to be a rough road um, because, as I said at the beginning of this, the Premier League's tough. It's a very difficult league. And, you know, that's why teams bounce up and down all the time. Speaking of that bouncing up and down, I remember tagging you with a bunch of other friends of mine that are Loon supporters, but support a second division club in, in England. Uh, and, you know, Steve being, being a big Coventry fan was, was one of them. 
and I asked, hey, how do you think your teams will do, do this season? And you replied solely with either an emoji or a gif of a yo-yo. <laughs> that, just, that sounds about right. Which just cracked cracked me up. I was just like, oh yeah, up down. You're, you're pro rel, pro rel. Do the same my, my most used hashtag uh when watching Norwich in the Premier League has to be not in the face. <laughs> I just remember like when they played Liverpool that first game last year. And uh, Liverpool was up like four nothing, and then all of a sudden, Timo Puki decided to like score two goals, and I was like, "Holy shit, it's four to three! What the fuck's going on right now?" So, uh, yeah. And the frightening thing is, Puki seems to be getting better. Like, yeah, you know, he's like he's... eighty years old, right? And he's still. <laughs> I think he's just turned thirty. Yeah. Which you know, in soccer terms, might as well be eighty. But yeah, like he he looks younger almost the way he plays. Uh, speaking of hashtags and not in the face, there's another hashtag that's associated with North, North Carolina FC stealing hashtag NCFC <laughs> for a chunk of part where your seasons overlap. How frustrating is that as a Twitter user? I don't really use the the Twitter hashtag for NCFC very much in terms of looking through it. Um, you know, I'll occasionally tag stuff with it, but uh, I mean... North Carolina just self-relegated themselves from the uh, USL championship down to League One, uh, which means the Mingos can now run over them. So, uh, yeah, they are what they are. They are the uh, zombie railhawks, after all. <laughs> what the fuck is a railhawk? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I will knows. call them the, the North Carolina zombie railhawks. <laughs> I actually know the person who created the name Railhawks. Uh, he's a big U.S. supporter as well, Jarrett Campbell. Uh, he is—he's a fantastic person. Uh, I've met him numerous times over U.S. games, and you know, the first time I met him in person was in 2009 when I went down to Carolina for a uh, Thunder game. Um, but yeah, I still, of course, just give him a give him crap about the name and/or still call them the Zombie Hawks whenever he brings them up. Have they been playing in the same stadium in Cary? They have, and uh, where, I know where all the dead whales are. Isn't all that where all, all the dead whales are? The dead whale bones and stuff, isn't that? I, I thought that was the thing about that. I thought there was a, there was a whole thing about the uh, uh, Cary, North Carolina, like that. They're like a bunch of like whales huh. buried, like where that stadium is built, and like that's why people like that's why people always get fucking injured in that stadium because they're running over whale bones. I, I'm gonna have to look that up. Maybe I just like I'm just, I just typing it in now, uh, so I can. Uh, You're bordering on Amgen look, on there. I'm, I'm gonna have to look at that later because it looks really interesting. You might have <laughs> something with that. Um, but uh, that stadium, when I went there in 2009, like you'd see it on well, I'd say TV, but on uh, you know, potato film streams back in those days. Um, it was much more built up than I expected because it's part of a like a complex kind of like NSC is. Um, and then since then, they've expanded it. Like, it looks really good. I know they really want to build a stadium uh, in their downtown rally area, uh, but that also hinges on trying to get an MLS team, I think. There's definitely dead whales buried there where <laughs> Wake Med Soccer Park is. Yeah, so... I'm not not a fuck. I'm not fucking wrong. <laughs> well, 
Uh, one Life uh, Supporters Group has a page about dead whales. Yep. Yeah, the Oak that, City. But yep. Yep. I'm definitely going to read that later. Anyways. But you've got to own it, right? Like, if that's. <laughs> totally. If, if, if they had buried whales at the Nessie, we would have had chance about that. We're not letting that one just go. I think they I might need to. steer into that skin. Yeah. I might need to send this uh, that page to Luke Craig and have him write up a uh, weird soccer uh, post for the, the Dave's I Know website. So <laughs> um, he hasn't done, he hasn't written anything for a while. So. Uh, all right. Is there anything else uh, that we want to know about KJ? KJ, thank you so much for number one for uh, supporting the Dark Clouds as long as you have with all the things that you've supported us with, but specifically for um, winning on and, and or bidding on and winning this uh, this illustrious ex- uh, appearance on the the Days of No podcast. So we really appreciate, it, man. Thank you for having me. I, I could go drone on and on and on about travel stories, but I will not bore you here. Yeah. Hopefully this year people will get a chance to uh, live their own travel stories. Maybe if we, if we are able to do a little bit, of, I, I, I've, I've circled the LA galaxy game at the end of the year, the final game of the season um, as a potential travel day, because uh, the baby will be old enough where we can leave it for a couple days. Anna's sister lives out there. So that'd be a good opportunity just to go out and see your sister. So um, I have that circled. It's been a long time since I've uh, been able to travel for Minnesota United. So um, looking forward to it eventually. So David, do you want to specify the baby is old enough to leave with someone and not like alone in the house? I'm going to leave it with my, at that point, like two year old and three quarters of a year something whatever the months are on that i feel like the cats at that point are the actual authority in the house oh the cats are <laughs> the cats are fucking dum-dums man like yeah no they're yeah I've, Wait, are we are we presuming the cats are not the authority now oh that's a oh. very fair point yeah have, that's I, that's my fault i'm sorry <laughs> I, I have one very smart cat and i have one very dumb cat the dumb cat will like hang out by ragnar and like ragnar likes to like scream at the cat and he just sits there and like just lets Ragnar scream at him. The other, the smart cat, like just just fucking never goes near near Ragnar because that's a smart cat. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they'll they'll definitely be in charge. Ragnar will be sort of like second in command to the smart cat, and the dumb cat, the orange tabby, will be third in command. So I would prefer that you say the social cat and the anti-social cat, but you know whatever. I mean, they're both. The smart cat social, just not with Ragnar. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, hey. All right. We, yes, we're, this has been a long podcast. Uh, thank you for hanging in with us. Uh, let's very quickly talk about the match we have coming up on, uh, on Friday, uh, 8.30 and FS1. Uh, we're playing the Seattle Sounders, a rematch of the Western Conference final. Uh, Seattle is favored uh, in this match, uh, minus 125, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota United win is plus 305. A draw is plus 280. Uh, the over-under is three goals, with the over being plus 110 and the under being minus 130. Obviously, uh, Bavada expects a low-scoring Seattle victory. Um, what say you guys? We're going to predictions already? No, no. I mean, the, 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 our typical, sorry, our typical thing, like, talk well, about... How do we bet? How do we bet? We are yeah. all in preseason form, clearly. Yeah. Sorry. What's so how we normally do this is we talk about the players coach system um that what we're expecting from from Seattle then we talk about how Minnesota United plays them and then we actually do our predictions so um are there any particular players or coaches or systems things that you want to highlight uh, about Seattle and I'll, I'll start I'll start how about that so it gives you guys a little bit of a baseline here um I think the biggest 
So there's there's two really big things for this game. Obviously, uh, Jordan Morris uh, being out all like theoretically all season, he probably could come back at the end of the year. Um, that's a big blow. Uh, Nico Dodero has picked up a knock, and while they're they're being very coy about his his timeline, um, doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for this first game. So that's those are two big pieces uh, gone for uh, Seattle. They also did not bring in a ton of reinforce, a ton of like really good reinforcements. Um, they lost a lot of players, including Gustav Svensson this year um, as well. And then the big, I think the sort of the thing that people aren't necessarily talking as much about is that Seattle's and, and Brian Schmetzer are transitioning to a three-five-two uh, for that is sort of going to be their sort of main formation. Um, so I think that is a lot of change for Seattle. Uh, ahead of you know playing and, and we all know over the course of the last few years Seattle hasn't started out really well they they find their groove in the summer right they bring a couple of, of uh, summer signings in they find their groove they make the playoffs as like a three or four seed and they you know go and win the goddamn thing or make it to the final for the last five years so it'll be interesting to see I think you know this is a Minnesota has never beaten Seattle in Seattle in the MLS um, iteration of Minnesota United um, this is actually, I think, bodes well for Minnesota to maybe steal uh, three points from Seattle uh, for the first game. They yeah. did bring Freddie Montero back from Vancouver. Long uh, Seattle Sounders leading goal scorer, uh, Freddie Montero. He's 33 years old, but the Colombian is still very dangerous. And I, this is just a hard game to, to, to pick. I... I do question if Schmetzer's going to a 3-5-2. Does that mean, like the Loons, when they do it, you have three center backs out there, or do you have uh, a, like, basically two sets of wing backs? Do you have, you know, a one center back, a left back, a right back? And what I'm, where I'm going with this, does it mean Alex Roldan plays less fullback? Because that would be a bonus for them. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that is probably the plan. <laughs> it's yeah. being new who uh, Ariaga and, and Gomez as uh, most as more of the, the, the three in that three, five, two. Yeah. Yeah. With Roldan certainly taking responsibility for the defensive, right. But stopping more attacks in the midfield, at least theoretically. Um, I mentioned this on the, the Western conference preview podcast. So listen to that if you haven't yet. Uh Look, if this team were any team but Seattle, we would be talking about how much they had lost, how unstable they were, how a lot of their rocks have moved on, and how maybe they didn't rebuild as well as, well as they should have. Uh, but because this is Seattle, and there's always that mystique around them that, well, we don't know what they're doing, but they sure do. And to me, that's it gives them more credit than they deserve. I think the fact that they're moving to the two-striker formation and didn't have Rui Diaz for most of preseason uh, puts a lot of pressure on either the 33-year-old Colombian or Will Bruin, neither of whom I would exactly put a lot of money on to hit double-digit goals this year. We'll see. Um, it just I think this team may hit its stride. I think expecting them to do it in week one, uh, especially when – and I should have double-checked this, but whatever uh, – Seattle didn't play a 90 minute preseason game until their last game against 
San Diego, I believe. I am almost positive that is. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. So this is a team that there's nothing about them other than their jerseys that would lead me to say, yes, this is a team that should give Minnesota United, who we've all agreed are a legitimate title contender, a really good game. And I think the odds reflect that week one, week two, week three in MLS, you have to take last year's priors. Uh, and, And that's how they set the odds. I would throw a pretty decent amount of money on Minnesota United, who I think have a very good chance of winning this game, but particularly at plus 320 or 360 or whatever it's sitting at at this exact second. Um, How they should play it. I I wrote in the notes that Minnesota should play on the counter. And I think I'm wrong. I think that's too conservative. I think the fact that they're that, that Seattle doesn't have the attacking prowess they used to, I think the fact that their midfield is going to be taking different responsibilities than they have in the past and their back line is demonstrably the weakest part of the team means Minnesota should commit players forward and trust players like Boxy, uh, Brent Coleman, who will probably start in this game and Metner and Gasper to figure out their defensive responsibilities. Hell, I, 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 Ozzy will probably not play this game because it's turf, but you got to trust Will Trap. This is what you brought Will Trap in for is to, to play that platform six. So I think they should attack. I think they should make Seattle, particularly in the first 45, prove that this new formation is familiar enough that they know how to stop a good MLS attack. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I think the thing we sort of, in terms of spines uh, of of teams, Seattle is up there with Christian Roldan, Joe, Joe Apollo, and we haven't really even talked about Stefan Fry, um, who arguably has maybe been the best MLS goalkeeper of the last like five years. Right. So um, over the course of five years. Um, so yeah, I don't know. KJ, did you, uh, or MJ, any other, any other thoughts on, on this? I'll just say that I want them to defend and not over pursue, like be disciplined, contain. And then once you contain that, it's going to be really tempted to play very, very direct. You have these new pieces in Reynoso and Avila, and you can see how a lot of people would want you to go box all up to Reynoso, up to Avila, and score. And I don't think as weak as the back line is, the midfield's not that weak. Let's go indirect. Let's go box up to Metinair, up to Lude, Lude back to Gregouche, over to Reynoso. Use our wit, play indirectly, play a little bit more possession, and I think we attack with width and possession, not just straight up the middle. Yeah, I think the transformation you've seen over the last couple of years is a team that doesn't have to play scared, even on the road. They are, they've transitioned into being more of a possession team uh, to running teams around. And when they play scared, the results show that they're scared. So, yeah, I mean, this is Seattle where Minnesota dreams have gone to die over a couple of different teams over the years. But, you know, it's the first game of the year. Show what you have and make Seattle play against it. Yeah, great points. I'll just throw in there. I think, yeah, Minnesota has we have a solid uh, defensive core. Um, I think it they can do the work themselves. Um, I like countering the hell out of them. I don't think we need to absorb as much pressure. Dan, I think your, your point is great is that, you know, we don't have to sit back and absorb pressure. We just, we can just pressure back and, and um, with pay below, maybe doing some of that um, targeted gig and pressing 
uh, where they're, you know, they find specific points, uh, specific pinch points. I'm thinking Alex Roldan being a really great one of a specific <laughs> pinch point where you try to, to really isolate Roldan um, and, you know, create some opportunities in the attacking half of the, of the pitch. And um, yeah, I don't think the team needs to worry as much about sales attack. Like the point Rui Diaz uh, for people who aren't familiar, he just got into training. He was uh, back um, trying to get his green card uh, process. So he just started training last week. So that dude is definitely not 90 minutes fit. So, you know, maybe you, he starts and, and goes 60 minutes. Maybe he only comes on for the last 30 minutes. I think Minnesota can easily um, balance out uh, what Seattle brings in the attack. So that brings us to the question of who, uh, what's the result? Who's going to win? Um, KJ, I'll, since you're the guest, I'll start with you. What do you think the result is? Um, I will be very happy if they get a draw. Um, it's, you know, it's first game of the season. It's at Seattle again, where dreams go to die. Um, so, um, I'm hoping to see them step out and play against Seattle. Um, but at the end, I think a one, one draw is probably about right. All right. MJ. Someone has to be the negative Nathan on this podcast, and it's going to be me. I hate fucking field turf 360. I hate turf in all forms. I don't think a lot of the Loons international pieces play well on turf. And so I say Seattle wins 2-1. Dan. One thing I will agree with the odds makers uh, and KJ on is this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, but I think the Loons take this. I think there is enough belief about this team. I think there's enough talent. And I think, look, if Adrian Heath has one thing in this world, it is a chip on his shoulder. And if he doesn't know how to how to give the players that same chip, then I've completely misread the man's motivational tactics. So the fact that they're about to walk into a place where by all, all accounts, for the first 85 minutes, 83 minutes, whatever it was, the Loons were about to have their biggest victory ever, and it got taken away from them into a shameful defeat. If he can't motivate this team to come out and punch Seattle in the mouth, I don't know what he's doing in charge of the club. So to me, this is a 2-0, maybe a 2-1 Loons win. All right. Like, love it. Love it. I, I'm going – I'm with KJ. I think, I think it's a little more high scoring. I think it's a 2-2 draw. Minnesota just scored 19 goals in four matches in preseason. Again, it's preseason. I get it. And but nine still, of them came against the Charleston battery. Let's call that out. <laughs> but still, that's that's 10 goals in three games, guys. That's still pretty fucking good. And that's a that's a, a potent attack. And that was without Lude and, and Grey Goose uh, as part of that attack for uh, a significant chunk of that. I think they were only in for the last two games. So um, I don't know. I think, I think expecting a, a win... KJ, to your point, a win in Seattle is just a little too much at this point. Although we did get the monkey off our back when it came to that in Kansas City last year. So maybe this is the opportunity for them to do it again. Uh, it would be a really great sort of start to the season and, and sort of a punctuation of, 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 hey, Minnesota's here. We're not fucking around. Um, I still think it's, it's still Seattle. It's a 2-2 draw in my estimation. So. All right. And then finally, let's very quickly talk uh, some NWSL Challenge Cup. Um, it's a they're, it's a slightly different format this year. Um, obviously, the, the Challenge Cup last year played all out in in Utah with one one sort of big tournament. They're doing um, home games in like in uh, in the cities of the teams, uh, the Western Conference, the All Rain, Portland Thorns, Kansas City. 
Houston Dash, Chicago Red Stars is the Western Conference. Eastern Conference is uh, and the New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC, Washington Spirit, Racing Louisville, NC Courage, Orlando Pride. Uh, MJ, do you want to uh, let us know what happened on Friday and Saturday? Yeah, let's welcome Racing Louisville uh, being the fourth expansion side in the NWSL. Who who have a fucking amazing away away shirt, by the way. It's really fucking good. The NWSL marks the third professional soccer league attempt in the United States, and the other two only lasted three years. And the breaks in between those, a lot of USA professionals got time in Sweden and Denmark and Germany. So this thing has lasted since 2013 was the first NWSL year. So hats off to the owners, the sponsors, the players, everyone for making this a stable league. I'm super excited about it. I do apologize. I missed that this uh, kickoff was was last week. And uh, the first game was a rematch of the championship game last year in the West, Houston Dash versus the Chicago Red Stars. And it was a boring nil-nil draw. And I don't mean to say that, uh, like, and I don't talk about women's soccer boring because even a nil-nil draw in women's soccer usually is filled with lots of tactics and a lot of great technical ability and close chances and excitement about that. It was almost the goal. This looked like two teams that were really rusty from the off season and hadn't played a serious match in a long time. They were also missing a combined nine internationals. So this was like the B squad for both teams. Thank you, Dan. Um, However, the other game in the West on Friday was the complete opposite of that. It was filled with lots of goals and lots of cards. Um, the Portland Thorns hosted the former Utah Royals, now Kansas City NWSL. And Kansas City had three yellows. Um, Portland, uh, Simone Charlie picked up a second yellow in the 89th minute, which gave her a red card. And that wasn't the last red card of the game. The 89th minute. Thorns coach Mark Parsons gets a red card in the 91st. And then um, there is this, uh, in honor of being WrestleMania weekend, uh, Morgan Weaver versus Kristen Edmonds, in which uh, Kristen Edmonds both did a toe drag takedown on Morgan Weaver. And then after they got back up, uh, Edmonds gave Weaver a, a palm fist strike to the face. Um, go watch the highlights of this. It got a lot of buzz and like video clips on, on Twitter. All the Portland fans are saying free Weaver. I don't know why they both got red cards and I am Portland biased in this matchup, matchup, but it looked like Weaver was just trying to protect the ball in the corner and Edmonds was really pissed about the time wasting of the Portland uh, Weaver wasting time in the corner. Um, this was just a Saturday. Um, Saturday, uh, the first game, North Carolina Courage wins 3-2 versus the Washington Spirit. Um, Jessica McDonald, I believe, scores the second goal for the Courage. I forget who scored the winning goal. Uh, uh, Merritt Matthias scores the uh, winning goal for the Courage. But the winnings team is kind of bearing the lead of the coming out party of Washington Spirit. The losing team's second 
pick overall in the draft, Trinity Rodman, the daughter of Dennis Rodman. And she scores a goal late for her um, NWSL coming out party. So even in a loss, she gets her first NWSL goal. Congrats, Trinity Rodman. Um, the last game of the weekend racing Louisville versus Orlando Pride, tough 2-2 draw. Um, there was an 88-minute goal by Abigail Kim for Orlando, and that gave Orlando what looked like a 2-1 away win, and in the 93rd minute, uh, Brooke Hendricks uh, gets the tying goal. Do any of you know about Brooke Hendricks? Like th this is Can't how deep so. <laughs> this is how deep the U.S. women team is. Like the U.S. women's national team. Like this was not a household name for me. I did not know who she was, and I briefly looked her up. She played like several games at West Ham and like twenty something games at West Ham, and then twenty something games at Brescia in in Syria, and then last year with the the Washington Spirit. So this this is didn't play that much and didn't play that well for the Spirit. Uh, she scores this goal. This could be her comeback party. Excellent. Thank you, MJ. Um, all right. I think that uh, that wraps us up unless there's anything else that anybody needs to address. Oh, no. All right. Nothing happened about Everton today. Nothing. Happened. <laughs> yeah, I got the, I, uh, the full Everton experience today because I needed James Rodriguez to show out or I was going to lose a fantasy league. And uh, <clears throat> Yeah, he got no points. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I, you and I would both love for him to get a bunch of points. But oh, absolutely! No, we were totally of one accord that we wanted him to to tear it up and and shared the disappointment of him failing to do so. Nil nil draw, and I feel like it's the mid mid aughts all over again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is West is West Brom good, guys? <laughs> they just <laughs> they scored I mean, eight goals in the last two games. Big big Sam, man. He just fucking, keeps teams up. That's what he fucking does. Sam Allardyce. Fuck that guy. <laughs> um all right. Uh KJ, tell people where they can find you if they wanna if they want to interact with you on the social medias. Uh I am on Twitter as Doughboy767. More importantly, you can find Deathloon Republic on Twitter as Deathloon Deathloon Repub. You can also find us on Facebook. And by us, I really mean just me, but maybe we can make it bigger than that. If you are a California person or a California adjacent person listening to this podcast, uh, please send people to the Death and Republic way. It's I, I know I've known KG for a long time, super awesome dude, um, and just generally a, a soccer uh, knower. And and again, you ever want to like talk about going like away travel stuff? Like the guy knows exactly what the fuck he's talking about. So. I feel the need since we're in audio format to mention that Death Loon is spelled D E T H. L-double-O-N-Repub. Right. I mean, so yes. repub Yeah, like the Death Loon Express, which again was also now with an A. So, um, but yes, thank you, MJ. That is, that's very, it's a valid point. Uh, you can find us always at TDIKMN uh, on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller. Dan's at D-Wade. Uh, MJ is at MJ Matsui. We have been the Dave's You Know. This is the Dave's and work it out cause we both know we can't do nothing at all oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. we can we, we, we do our thing son long as you do yours land here become feet con yeah 
uh, we, we yeah. do our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one.